guys. How are you? It's Bridget. I'm back with another episode of My Best Vintage Life. I hope that you are doing well. By the time this episode is released, we will have celebrated the 4th of July. So I hope you're enjoying that holiday, the long weekend that maybe you perhaps have. Who knows? I hope you're having some time off. I purposefully am not releasing this on the 4th of July because I figured people would be too busy to listen. So you'll be getting this on the 5th of July, Friday. I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little upset. I actually just got a dress that I ordered for myself for my birthday and the company sent it out on one of those eco mailers that basically it looks like house insulation. You know what I mean? Like when you open it. Well, the mailer got all ripped up in transit and the dress has like holes all over it. So I am not happy about that. I emailed them. I doubt they'll get back to me today or tomorrow because it's a holiday. Um, but they have like a really strict return policy. So if they're not taking this dress back, I am going to be pissed. Anyways, I'm trying to shake it off, but it's like, you know, you want to do something nice for yourself and then you get shit on. So anyways, moving on, I have an obsession at the moment. This week's obsession at the moment is the show Victoria PBS Masterpiece. Art's making me laugh. PBS Masterpiece. Um, If you want to watch the first seasons for free, they are on Amazon Video if you have access to that. So if you have Amazon Prime, you get um, an Amazon video subscription with that. So anyways, I love the show. I love the costumes. I love British history. If you're a big fan of The Crown and you're tired of waiting around for season three of that because I feel like I'll be 60 before that new season comes out. It's taking forever. Um, Watch Victoria in the meantime. It's really good. So that's my obsession, ATM. So today's episode is focusing on the care of vintage. I had been wanting to do this episode for a while and I thought, "Eh, maybe that's boring. But I did have a new listener um, comment on Instagram asking if I could do an episode on it. So I figured, well, if one person wants something like that, and I think it's something good to talk about, then I'm just going to go ahead and do it. So hopefully you don't find it too boring, uh, but I think it's something to talk about. It's something a little bit more technical, not as fun maybe as some other topics, but I think nevertheless it's something that needs to be discussed. So I don't really have a particular order for these tips. I have, I think, 20 of them total. I'm not going to drag on too long about anyone in particular. Um, So here we go. So my first tip for taking care of your vintage, and I kind of set these up whether you collect vintage personally, have your own collection, or if you sell vintage, whether it's at flea markets, online, Etsy, whatever, um, or maybe you do both. So I kind of did this from a general point of view. My first tip is read the care labels. So I would definitely take the time to read the care label on whatever it is that you sourced or bought and launder accordingly. There are charts online that you can reference that have laundering symbols. So like you'll see on clothing tags sometimes 
what looks like a bucket of water with lines through it or with temperature marks. There are resources online to figure out what all of that means. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, deciphering a code, but it's not hard to do. You just have to put in the effort to go online and research what those mean. So if you have a tag that doesn't have any words but has the symbols, that's what I suggest you do there. Um, And if there are, you know, no kind of labels inside, ask an expert. You know, if you have a family or friend who is knowledgeable about fabric or about clothing, maybe ask them or go to your local dry cleaner and ask their opinion. Um, Not all of us are super well-versed in fabrics and that's understandable so you can always ask somebody if you're not comfortable with just kind of taking it upon yourself to figure it out and if for some reason you bought something from another country and you don't speak that language or understand what the label says I would suggest using Google Translate they have a really handy tool where they ask you for access to your camera and you can take a picture or just hold hovered like the phone over the text and it'll translate it or you can just type it in and it'll translate it and I think it does a pretty a pretty decent job of translating I've used it to translate super complicated languages um, more so than like romance languages and it works pretty well so that would be my suggestion there for um, things that aren't written in English um okay second thing is dry cleaning so I know I suggested going to a dry cleaner if you have questions about fabrics. Please go online and do your research, whether it's Yelp or looking like at local, like, you know, white pages listings or whatever for eco-friendly cleaners. So an eco-friendly cleaner cleaner should be using a process called wet clean. So technically dry cleaning is, is not good. You should be looking for a wet cleaner. And um, I there's a really great one in Fresno that I use called Mastercraft. It's in the Fig Garden Village Shopping Center. If you're local and listening to this, I would suggest going there. And they have a really great website that kind of breaks down their process. And I think that's nice that they give you as much information as they can. And something that I read on this Amer- uh, website called Green America is that there is a chemical called perchloroethylene or perk for short, 85% of 35,000 dry cleaners in the United States use perk. And the short-term effects of this chemical are dizziness, headaches, nausea, and drowsiness. And long-term effects can be liver, kidney damage, and cancer. So obviously, chemicals in general are not good not good to be absorbed into your clothing like that because you're going to put that clothing back on your body and that's going to touch your skin and then it goes into your bloodstream. Uh, I feel particularly sad for the people that are working in those kinds of conditions. That has to be terrible to be breathing that in all day. So if you can, if you can afford it, and if you have one in your area, please use a wet cleaner. Don't use a dry cleaner. Do your research. It took me a very short amount of time to find one in Fresno. I think if you're in a city environment, you should definitely be able to find one, if not more of them. Coming back to uh, the dry cleaning thing, don't leave your clothing in plastic bags, okay? That is absolutely terrible for your clothes. It's really bad for the fibers, 
there are chemicals that are used to make those plastic bags and then you have the chemicals if you're using a true dry cleaner that are in the clothing it's just it's like a little a little bag of toxic waste basically don't do it you know just throw those bags in a recycling bin I don't really know what else you could do with them but don't leave them on your clothes and put them in your closet if you feel the need to put clothing in storage bags Go online and get yourself some cotton bags to do so, 100% cotton to be specific. And if you can source ones that are made in the United States or with organic cotton, I would highly suggest doing that. Um, And don't buy anything that's colored because that can transfer onto clothing. Make sure they're white or like at the very least some sort of cream or beige color. Don't buy anything colored to store your clothes in. So my suggestion for storing clothes in bags would be to use cotton not plastic in terms of um sorry i'm flipping through my notes here i have lots of notes in terms of things that do need to be washed wash them in cold water don't wash anything in hot water or warm water and don't put them in the dryer i highly recommend using eco-friendly laundry products don't use anything with harsh chemicals and you should be doing that for all your clothes anyways not just your vintage clothes there's a lot of chemicals in um, detergent and fabric softener so try to use healthier ones if you can i really wouldn't suggest drying your clothes either i don't really dry any of my clothes in college i started using a drying rack and i've been using one ever since and i've pretty lucky because my house has a clothesline it has four small lines next to each other and I can usually fit all my clothes and then some out there and in the Fresno heat that we have here it dries very quick and if you don't have a clothesline but you have a drying rack and it's a hot summer day take everything outside and let it dry out there just put your drying rack on a flat stable surface and it'll be a lot faster than a drying in your house Obviously, I know there's different climates, different humidity levels, and there's the winter. So at some point in time, we do have to use our clothes dryers, and that's okay. Uh, I would just really recommend that if you're going to use a dryer, don't use a dryer sheet because those also contain chemicals, and a lot of them are made from polyester. Um, I would really, if you have to use a dryer sheet, use an eco-friendly one that's made out of recyclable paper. Or my favorite are dryer balls. You can get wool dryer balls um, online and they can be reused, I think, like upwards of a thousand times, probably more if you you don't use them super frequently. We use them at work now and I use them at my house and I think they do a really good job at also cutting down the dry time, which in turn saves you money on your energy bill and is better for the environment. So it's a win-win with the with the dryer balls. In terms of more stor- storage tips, um, this doesn't really affect your clothing as much as it does the environment, but if you're going to buy a new pack of hangers, for example, say you need some new hangers, try to buy something that's a little bit more eco-friendly. Um, I found this really great brand based out of California called uh, Ditto Hangers. They are on the pricier side. They're not cheap, um, but it's better than going to the dollar store and buying hangers there. It's just, it's better for the environment. They're made out of like, um, they're made out of a paper base and they're super heavy. And from what I read on their website, they can actually last a lifetime. So you kind of have to look at it as like, 
when you buy yourself a really nice piece of clothing and you look at the cost per wear, think of it, think about that for the hangers, you know, okay, I'm going to pay X amount for a pack of however many, but if that lasts me 40 years, well, it basically turns out to be nothing. So consider buying more conscientiously made hangers if you can. Uh, the same listener that commented commented about me doing this episode, um, she also mentioned acid-free tissue paper. <clears throat> that is, um, I personally would not use that unless I was storing something super delicate or something very old. Like that's something you'll see frequently used in um, by museum curators for projects. Um, and it's just it's a lot safer for for storing the clothing um so if you're collecting things from like the 20s 30s that have a lot of beading or sequins or intricate um intricate stitching that might be a good idea to use it for those I don't really think it's necessarily necessary for more modern vintage pieces the one thing that uh, acid-free tissue paper can be great for is for like stuffing things so like vintage purses or vintage shoes that that can be a really good thing to help them maintain their shape and you don't have to worry about um the the like the integrity of the garment being ruined because you're using something that doesn't have acid in it I did find something um on the Smithsonian's website it's the Smithsonian Museum Conservation Institute they had a list of all of the vendors that they buy products from to obviously use in the museum so I figure if anybody knows where to get that sort of thing from or suggestions that you know they would know better they're obviously not going on Amazon and buying acid-free tissue paper from China I would not recommend that like if you're gonna do this with the the tissue paper do it right you know what I mean don't don't cheap out on it so be conscientious about where you're buying the tissue paper from if you choose to, you know, use that to protect your garments. Um, for leather, we actually just found a really great leather cleaner that we like. And it's actually, um, I think I mentioned before that I have a horse. Uh, so a lot of times when you're shopping for horses, you stumble across tack cleaning products. So products to clean saddles, bridles. And um, there's a really great one by Horse Health Products. They are a division of Farnham. Farnham is a huge horse product company. They make all sorts of different things. Um, But this product is leather cleaner and conditioner one-step formula with avocado oil. I'll put a link in the show notes for it. I buy it from a local uh, tax shop in San Luis Obispo, California. If you're located in California and spend $50, they, it's like free overnight shipping. So it's, it's a really great local business that I like to support for anything that I buy for my horse, but it's also great because I can get leather cleaner there as well. Um, and I, I like that it has avocado oil in it. That's a nice natural ingredient. And we used it recently on some leather bomber jackets and it cleaned them up really, really nice. So I highly recommend that, um, for leather cleaning purposes. Uh, something else that I've been reading a little bit more about lately is kind of like the lint roller issue because lint rollers are, I mean, while they work really well, they can be super wasteful. So something that I've been using at work are lint brushes. Uh, they're really great when I'm working on bandanas 
I just kind of like sweep one way, sweep the other, and then like just kind of use another one to clean it off. And it, it removes lint really fast. And I personally think better than a lint roller. So you have to think about lint rollers. Okay. They are made up of all these sheets. And then where do you throw those sheets into the trash? And they're not something that's going to like break down easily. So just be conscientious of that. You can get lint brushes relatively uh, cheap. So you might want to consider once your current lint roller is out of sheets, maybe transitioning over to something like a lint brush. Okay, so cedar for closets. Um, Use responsibly sourced cedar. Cedar is great for repelling moths, which (laughs) if you're like me and you have vintage and you see a moth in your house, you panic. I do. Every time I see one, I'm like, oh my God, must kill it. Sorry for anybody out there that is like PETA to the fact that they're like caring about bugs. I I don't care about bugs. I hate bugs. I like cute bugs, but moths, they need to go. I'm sorry. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was looking online to give you guys some suggestions for cedar products, and I saw that the Vermont Country Store has a lot of really great made-in-the-USA cedar products. They have cedar sheets to line drawers. They have a cedar spray. They have cedar balls. So there's a lot of different options there um, for products to repel moths. So I would highly suggest that wherever you're storing your vintage, you invest in some sort of healthy, safe moth repellent to um to protect them from you know protect the product from or the pieces from being eaten getting moth holes that can be really devastating if that happens I mean I know people that it's happened to with like these super valuable vintage rugs and there's moth holes all over them because they didn't get stored properly so be smart about cedar and cedar smells great I, I love the smell of it so it's not like something that stinks like mothballs do not use moth mothballs oh my god they are so gross and toxic please don't use mothballs use cedar and you know obviously be aware of moths carpet beetles and bed bugs um those are three pests that i think when you're working with vintage you might encounter moths obviously they're looking to eat fibers carpet beetles the same thing and carpet beetles look differently throughout their stage of life when they're young they look kind of like a fuzzy little caterpillar and then they kind of morph into a flying insect so if you don't know what they look like go online search you could search for like pests that can destroy clothing I think it's something that if you're going to work in this industry or collect vintage you need to be educated about and how to protect yourself against them and then obviously bed bugs. I mean, nobody asks to get bed bugs. You might buy something at the Goodwill that somebody donated and there's bed bugs in the pockets or something. I have seen things at thrift stores with bed bugs in them and it's it's super gross. Obviously, I didn't buy them and I, I would actually pull them and take them to like the person working there and be like, you need to take this off the floor. Um, but please, you know, always be careful always check nooks and crannies of clothing for bed bugs because you don't want to take them to your house um you can get healthy sprays for things like that like I had one that was a non-toxic bed bug spray I used to keep all the vintage that I sold in the basement of my apartment and I would spray the basement like every other week I'd spray the carpet and like nooks and crannies and stuff just in case I didn't ever really have a problem but I thought it was good to be proactive about it 
And something that I use at my house um, to protect against carpet beetles is um, boric acid. So boric acid can be um, it can be bad for children and dogs. So I would recommend like doing it alone when people aren't around. But a really great place to put it is kind of like in the cracks where your floor meets your wall. There's usually a little bit of a space. Um, from what I've read online, that's a really great place to to put. It's it's a powder. It's not like a liquid acid or anything like that. Um, and basically what happens is like the bugs kind of crawl on it and it dries out their insides and they die. So it's um, it's a pretty good place to put to put this powder. Basically, I wouldn't suggest like dumping it all over your floor, especially if you have kids or pets. Just be smart about it. If you get a bottle of it, read how to use it. Um, but those are common pests. You will come across them at some point in time. I mean, most people will get a moth in their house at some point in time. And believe it or not, your house most likely does have carpet beetles in it. It doesn't really necessarily ha- have anything to do with vintage clothing. They just feed off of natural fibers and particularly like hides and leather and stuff like that. So I know right now there's like that and it doesn't seem like it's ever going to go away. Everybody has sheepskins. I have sheepskins in my house, but I have found carpet beetles in my sheepskins before, um, probably because they came in from the outside and they found something that they could eat so I had a wash and you know I still I'm very I've become hyper vigilant about things in my house now anything that's a natural fiber so even if you're buying vintage housewares be careful there too like a wool blanket or a rug make sure you look things with like look over things with a fine tooth comb and I'm trying not trying to make you paranoid but I'm just saying that when you bring old used things into your home you do run the risk of also bringing in pests. So that's just my two cents on that. <laughs> I did drag that one out a little bit. I'm sorry. Um, vacuum out your closets. If you're keeping your vintage in a closet, vacuum out the closets regularly, whether they're hardwood or carpet, especially if they're carpet and dust. You know, if there is um, like crown molding in the closet or ledges, dust those off, get all the dust out of there make it a very clean sterile environment that no bug wants to be in so keep those clean keep clothing out of direct light so I have um, I keep all of my clothing in an extra bedroom I call it my dressing room I mean whatever it's just it's an extra bedroom I have in my house I had new blinds installed in there and they're pretty dark. It keeps the room dark. I hardly ever open them unless I really need to. It's important that you have some sort of protection from direct light for your clothing. And it just, it'll keep things from from fading. It'll keep fibers from being weakened by the sun, especially if you have a house that's facing a certain direction. Certain directions get a lot more sun than others, so be smart about it. Don't have your clothes in direct sunlight. Otherwise, they might get uneven sun fade, and that's going to look weird. Sometimes that looks cool in vintage garments, but it depends on who you are and what you think about, you know, a flaw like that. Some people don't look at it as a flaw, and some people are like, well, I'm not going to wear a shirt that has two different colors on it, so... um. You know, definitely wherever you're storing your vintage, make sure there is temperature control 
And if it's too humid, definitely um, invest in a dehumidifier. You know, you don't want your clothes in like a super, super dry environment, but you also don't want them in a humid environment where everything is damp and moist. So like I said, I used to keep mine in a basement and I had a dehumidifier down there that I ran all the time and it made a huge difference. It was one of the driest basements I had ever been in. Um, so it really depends on where you live geographically and what the climate is like, but you know, just keep that in mind when, if you're keeping them in a room or you're keeping them in your bedroom or wherever it is, just, you know, once a day think like, okay, what's, what's the temperature like in here? What is this doing to the clothes? And, um, you know, ultimately that will help prolong the life of your clothing. So take it seriously if you can. I know that uh, heating and cooling can be expensive, but if you're going to take on a vintage business or a vintage collection, there needs to be some sort of upkeep in that sense. And specifically for furs, furs 100% need temperature control, and they need to frequently be inspected for any kind of pests because, like I said, uh, moths, carpet beetles, they really like things like that. So if you have a fur in your closet, make sure that the closet isn't too humid or isn't too stifling hot. And, um, you know, every now and then just look it over and make sure there's no bugs or anything in it. I know that's gross, but it happens. So definitely keep your furs protected. Back east, it's pretty common to find fur vaults where <laughs> let's say rich people because I don't really know most normal people that do it but a lot of rich people take their furs to the fur vault for the summer and then when it's winter they go get their furs and I don't know I think it's pretty cool actually but I I'm sure they have them in LA I don't think there is any in Fresno so take care of your furs jewelry um when I speak of jewelry here I'm talking about fine jewelry there is only so much you can do for costume jewelry I personally can't even wear costume jewelry, like anything that's plated, because I just turn into Kermit the Frog when I do. So I'm talking here more about like true gold, true sterling silver. Um, You can find a lot of healthy DIY recipes on Pinterest and stuff like that for cleaning jewelry, um, you know, that don't use chemicals. I would suggest experimenting with those. And if there's an issue or, you know, something you don't feel comfortable trying on your own, you can always take it to a local jeweler and ask them their opinion on how to clean. Um, you know, a lot of times jewelry cleaning solutions will have a ton of chemicals in them. And while they make your jewelry look pretty, they might be irritating to your skin. So I always suggest trying the natural route first and see see how that helps. Um, And then, you know, like I said, I don't really have much advice to offer for costume jewelry because I personally don't wear it. It doesn't work for me. Obviously, keep it clean and keep it dry. Don't wear it in the shower. Don't I? You shouldn't really wear any of your jewelry in the shower or if you're doing something where you're being submerged in water for a long time. Um, I've never been a person who like goes swimming with necklaces and rings and earrings on and I take everything off before I go in the shower. I mean, obviously, (laughs) but I definitely take my jewelry off. So keep that in mind. Um, A steamer. So I steam my clothing. I don't really iron anything. I have a Jiffy handheld steamer. If you're going to invest in a steamer, I recommend Jiffy brand. 
It's great for delicate fabrics, but not all. So just do your do your research when it comes to steaming so you don't fuck up what you're trying to get wrinkles out of. And one of my best suggestions is, and this is like a stylist secret, is put a sock over the head of the steamer because a lot of times steamers will like spit up water and you don't want to get water stains on stuff. So the sock will absorb that and it'll just produce more steam. So use a sock over the steamer head and you won't end up with water stains on like silk. That would be bad. I don't even use steamers with silk. Silk makes me nervous. Silk is one thing that I think needs to go to the the dry cleaner or should I say the wet cleaner. Um, shoe boxes. I, you know, I don't really use shoe boxes. I would only say to use them for super special pairs and just make sure that, you know, everything is dry before you're putting anything in a box and that goes for any kind of accessory. You don't want any moisture trapped inside a box with a lid. So, um, if you want to use shoe boxes like the ones that they have at the container store or the plastic ones, that's fine, but just make sure everything's dry. Hang on. I need to take a sip of my ginger water. Okay. I'm parched. Uh, you know, for clothing racks and closets, I don't know where most of you keep your vintage. It might be a mix of both. Don't overstuff them. Clothing needs to breathe. So as much as you want to buy as much vintage as you can. So, you know, you have this collection, whether you're selling it, keeping it. In the end, if you're shoving everything onto a rack and you can't move it, that's not good for the clothing. And it could end up in clothing getting damaged. So be mindful of that. Don't overstuff your clothing racks or your closets. And if you're um, a vintage seller, I think one of the best things you can do, like if you're going out to a flea to sell or any kind of event really where you're setting up a rack, um, definitely like pre-organize your racks, kind of like come up with vignettes or stories beforehand. That way it's not you know, chaos when you get to your event. I did see this once at the Rose Bowl where this guy was all alone and he set up a booth by himself. He set up four racks. They were all empty. And then he started getting out like those cloth cotton um, bags I was telling you about, but they were like wide ones that had like a big depth that he had everything organized in the bag already. He literally threw them on the racks and then unzipped them one by one. And he was done. His whole setup was done. So something to think about if you're a seller that does a lot of fleas or events, pre-merchandise, bag it up, hang it up, unzip, you're done. It's not like you get there and you're like, oh my God, these t-shirts slid all over my car and I don't know where I'm going to put them. So it takes a little bit of forethought, but I thought it was genius because everybody else around him was still struggling to set up and he had all these people in his booth ready to spend money because he was set up and they were spending money with him versus spending money with other people. So just keep that in mind. And I think it's important, you know, no matter where you store your vintage, have some sort of kit or a basket or a bag or have like a road kit with you to take when you do different events. Um, Have something in your room where you keep your vintage so you know where everything is you know, a place for everything, everything in its place. Have a sewing kit, have a seam ripper, have a lint brush, you know, I mean, 
you you can have whatever you want to have in it but if it's something that you think you'll need along the way to maintain your vintage collection then definitely have it in a safe place that if you need it it's at an arm's reach and you're not scrambling around trying to look for it and I would suggest having like a duplicate of it that you can just throw in a bag and go and not have to worry it's kind of like a stylist kit basically you know with um fashion styling very frequently most I can't really think of any stylist that I know that doesn't have a kit that they just keep all their stuff in just in case you know they need it on set and I'm sure it always comes in handy so that's my last tip and suggestion there um so that's really all I have for the care of your vintage I hope you enjoyed those tips and if you think I missed anything please let me know Um, I'd be happy to share anything that you have um, on the Instagram. Speaking of Instagram, don't forget to follow along there at my best vintage life podcast. I got some really nice feedback from three new followers. I wanted to just give them a shout out at Diamond Punk. She's from Arizona at Danielle Ryan from Queensland, Australia, and at the Fergs every day. I believe she is from the Midwest. I want to say Indiana. So thank you, ladies, um, for the feedback. I really appreciate it. I think I woke up from, like, sleep from messages from, like, at least two of them. So it's a nice way to start your day, positive feedback. Um, So I really appreciate your input. Also, don't forget to join uh, Facebook, to like us on Facebook. I'm still looking for listener submissions. I haven't gotten any recently. Um, So please, if you have any uh, vintage items that are near and dear to your heart that you'd like for me to share on the podcast, I would love that. Just um, best way to send it is via Instagram. If you want to send me like a little paragraph and a picture that I can share with everyone else, I think it's really nice to share those stories and you know the stories behind the clothing and the journey continuing so if you have anything let me know uh don't forget to check out the merchandise website www.mybestvintagelifepodcast.com i have lots of cool stuff for sale on the website t-shirts barrettes books so definitely check that out um, if you're looking for some new skincare, don't forget I am a Folane Natural Beauty Ambassador. Um, the code for 15% off your order there is um, REF, R-A-F underscore Basic Bougie Bridget. So if you're looking to invest in some clean skincare, go ahead, use that code. Treat yourself. Um, and don't please don't forget to rate and review. I'd really love to get some new reviews Um, on the Apple Podcast app. Basically what that does is if somebody's listening to a podcast that's similar to mine, they'll suggest mine like in the you might like this section. I'm sure you've seen that if you listen to podcasts on the Apple Podcast app. Like if you're listening to true crime, it's going to start suggesting other true crime podcasts. Well, I want to be the podcast that gets suggested and I, I do believe that the way they do that is based off of ratings and reviews. So If you don't mind taking the time to do that, that would be much appreciated. I love the ratings. They're great, but I would love to get a few more reviews. So um, if you do that for me, thank you in advance. I really, really appreciate it. And that's all I really have today. So until next time, guys, stay safe. Don't be basic. Bye.